Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, we define and talk think-free football. It's a big reason why the Cardinals' defense is playing so well, especially Hassan Reddick. Larry Fitzgerald explains why he's having a fantastic 2020, despite less than fantastic numbers. Plus, Russell Wilson. He's going to be a problem come Sunday, according to Vance Joseph. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 337, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Well, this is a pleasant surprise. Moments before we begin the show here on this Thursday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. How about this, MJ? We have a schedule change, and it's all good news for the Cardinals They have been not flexed, but they are now the Sunday night matchup on NBC, a second straight primetime game, Cardinals and Seahawks on the national stage. Yeah, I was shocked. Um, I I was able to get the the news from you, and then obviously uh, the NFL put out a statement. But, uh, yeah, this is fascinating. Back-to-back weeks on primetime on Monday night football, we know that Sunday night football is is the only game in town, you know, just like Monday night football. And the Cardinals better uh, show some uh, what they're worth at home because we know how this series has gone back and forth. Usually the Cardinals are successful in Seattle, and Seattle's been successful here. Well, our colleague Kyle Odegaard made mention on social media that the last time the Cardinals and Seahawks played on Sunday Night Football, 2016, and that was the unforgettable 6-6 tie that I think we're all still feeling the effects of because that was very, very physical. A slugfest, no, but a very physical contest. That was a bloodbath. Um, you remember how many players were just laying on the uh, on the field just because of the, the physicality? Uh, you know, obviously the rosters are a little bit different, but I'll, I'll never forget that game. And that was a game of missed field goals. Yeah, it was all field goals in that contest. So once again, this is a move because according to the league, the original Sunday night primetime matchup, Buccaneers at the Raiders, there's some concern that Las Vegas might have some COVID-19 issues. The entire Raiders offensive line has not been on the practice field the past couple of days. So if that game has to be moved or postponed or canceled, the league did not want an empty window for that Sunday night window at 520 Arizona time. So that's why this schedule was made or readjusted, and now back-to-back weeks in prime time. First time for the Cardinals since a three-week stretch of primetime games going all the way back to 2015. Yeah, and we know NBC, Al Michaels, and Chris Collinsworth love that Bruce Arians team. So many personalities. I think they're able to get Carson Palmer to kind of come out of his shell a little bit. Um, but obviously it started with the, how successful that team was, and Palmer had that outstanding year up until the end in the MVP conversation. So, yeah, um, 
And, you know, if you, you look at on paper, it's a division game, but also in the AFC, you have two unbeaten teams, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, I got to think those teams are going to be probably in the final four with the Ravens and Chiefs. And if I'm CBS, I'm protecting that game. Oh, absolutely. That is the game of the week as far as records are concerned. And I need to correct myself. First time in back-to-back weeks on prime time since 2016. It was oh, six a, the following season. It was a Thursday, Monday, Sunday of okay. the 2016 season. So off by a year, but uh, certainly very good news for the Cardinals. And now pressure is on not that there's any more pressure because it's on the national stage this is certainly a big game regardless because you've got the top two teams in the nfc west and earlier in the day the Cardinals' social media account made known that the cardinals were going to wear their black uniforms on sunday in advance of halloween weekend cardinals don't play halloween weekend because they are off so certainly back in black is now not only coming on Sunday, but coming on Sunday in prime time. I like that third jersey, and they don't break it out a lot. You know, obviously, you know, I'm sure somebody in the building knows all the different records when they wear different jerseys, but I I do like that black jersey. So all good things happening for the Cardinals so far this week with this one exception, and just – Something to pay attention to. We don't get too concerned when we see the injury reports on Wednesday, Thursday, sometimes maybe a little bit of an eyebrow raiser when it's Friday. But when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins, we've learned if he doesn't practice, not a big deal. But anytime an offensive lineman is not practicing, that is when I kind of raise a little bit of a red flag and something to keep an eye on. Kelvin Beecham, starting right tackle, has been not practicing because of an ankle issue we'll see he's a veteran you got a little bit more time now that you're playing in the evening as opposed to the afternoon but if Beecham is unable to go MJ let's just kind of go back and forth here and and come up with a plan and hopefully it's not a plan that we need to utilize but if Beecham is unable to go what's the best route for Sean Kugler to put his best five players to protect Kyler Murray well, I would think Justin Murray would be the, the first option just because he does have experience. Again, he started 12 games last year. He played in 14. Um, we talked about, you know, him moving over to guard in, in place of Sweezy, um, much better in pass protection, their, their numbers. And then you, you got to look at who's your first guard to come off there. Is that Max Garcia? Do you think, do you decide not to move too much, too much furniture around? But I don't know if you want to go with Josh Jones at right tackle. Um, considering, you know, it's his first live action, so to speak. He's been active, but, you know, he's more as an extra blocker. Um, I don't like moving furniture around. I, I think they, they they got a good chemistry going across the board. Um, but, hey, that's what Sean Cougar's for. Yeah, I'm of the same opinion. The less moving parts, the better, although in this instance – Maybe it is necessary to move more pieces because of what you stated, the experience of a Justin Murray and the lack of experience in a Josh Jones. You'd slide Murray from right guard to now right tackle and insert Max Garcia at right guard. And he has been getting some time at both guard positions in place of Sweezy and Pew this season. So, again, Bird Gang, just something to keep an eye on here as we get closer and closer to week seven against the Seahawks, who, by the way, 
might have their own injury issues. Interesting, MJ, that for a team that did not play a week ago, they had 14 players on their initial injury report. 14. You're supposed to get healthier coming off a bye. Yeah, and, 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 you know, when the, when the Seahawks pulled off that trade for Jamal Adams, you're thinking, man, that's going to be a great matchup, at least for them against the Cardinals offense. And here he's missed a few games. And, you know, according to, you know, a podcast that he was on, he said he's getting uh, closer, but I don't know if he's going to be available. And that's a huge loss for the Seattle Seahawks if he's not on the field on Sunday night. Yeah, he's missed the past two weeks or two games, I should say, because of a groin issue. And that certainly hurts the depth in the uh, Seahawks secondary. And don't forget, they are already without Leno Hill, who they placed on injured reserve and brought Demarius Randall, the former ASU product, up from the practice squad and signed him to the active roster. So it would not be a good thing for the Seahawks, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Of course, this is a defense that uh, has surrendered a lot when it comes to yardage, especially in the passing game. You know, last week we thought it was going to be a shootout, and the Cardinals have held up to their uh, end of the bargain. Obviously, when you force four turnovers and the Cowboys, you know, were down 21 nothing, So uh, we didn't get the shootout we were looking for. But correct me if I'm wrong, Craig, I think the Cardinals can score on the Seahawks defense, and I think the Seahawks can score on the Cardinals defense. Now, in fairness to the Cardinals, they've done a much better job in the red zone. You know, they're not giving up as many points as they did a year ago. They're getting teams off on third down. Points allowed are really impressive. I know Vance has three uh, barometers he talks about every single week when he's asked. Um, but I'm a big points allowed guy. You can allow teams to go from the 20 to the 20. So we could see a shootout. And one thing about the Seahawks is, is in that fourth quarter, I mean, you know, a lot of times in, in, when you watch their uh, post-game show, it's about you don't win the game in the first quarter, you don't win the game in the second quarter, you don't win the game in the third quarter, but they have come back in the fourth quarter, and their Russell Wilson's um, quarterback rating in the fourth quarter is very impressive. Well, they are 14-2 in in one-score games since the start of last season, and defensive coordinator Vance Joseph earlier today joked that he thinks the Seahawks purposely keep games close to, quote, allow Russell to take them over and win them, unquote. Again, he was joking, but to your point, as far as clutch performer, if you buy into that, guys who play bigger in those final 15 minutes or the game-winning drives, if you will, don't give Russell Wilson any time late in games to either win it or tie it to force overtime. Yeah, and I don't know if I'll face another quarterback that gets into shotgun as much as Russell Wilson. They're probably saying the same thing about Kyle Murray. Because, you know, last year, between 70 and 82% of his snaps were in the shotgun. And that's where he's Houdini. Where That's how he extends plays. And, you know, and for the Cardinals secondary, and they're getting healthy, you know, between Jalen Thompson, Deontay Thompson, to me, has shown vast improvement, Chris Banjo. Uh, guys are playing in their natural positions, but when you look at it from that standpoint, I mean, uh, you're going to have. And what I, I guess what I'm getting at these these cornerbacks can't cover forever, and that's where Russell Wilson is really effective finding the open guy. He buys time when plays break down, and that yep. scrambling ability not to run, but scrambling out of the pocket 
And then all of a sudden, that's when these deep shots come. Yep. Eight of his 19 touchdowns have come on throws of 20 or more yards. That's wow. when Wilson is the most dangerous. Yeah. And again, it seems like three out of the four teams are going running back by committee. They'll ride a hot hand. Um, but clearly, you know, the matchups. And, and it was interesting when Vance said he doesn't know if Patrick Peterson will be on DK Metcalf the entire time. Now, last year, he pretty much shut him out. And I think Metcalf, you know how I feel, how much Russell Wilson spent time in the offseason. He's a much better route runner. He, he's definitely, um, you know, not has, he doesn't have as many drops as last year. I just think he's a more polished player. And then Tyler Lockett, that's going to be a great matchup with Murphy. So I'm curious to see, you know, um, I, you know, to me, their, their go-to guys are Lockett and Metcalf. And then there's a drop off, but obviously, you know, you know, Drake Kropatch is going to have to cover some space out there, but I think the Cardinals may have an advantage on that secondary compared to their wide receivers. And then Will Disley, um, he's, he's a guy that could put up some numbers, um, for the most part, but I think the Cardinals secondary, is it's a really good matchup for them, and I would give the Cardinals an advantage. Well, they had a great matchup last week against the Cowboys. Amari right. Cooper was basically shut down the entire first half, C.D. Lamb as well. So whether or not Coach Joseph is going to say, oh, yeah, Peterson is going to shadow Metcalf, I do think you're going to see a lot of one-on-one. He yes. did mention, talking about Joseph, that it's going to take the entire team, but I think that's more coach speak than anything else. No one's going to give up the game plan this early in the week, but True. I would like to see Metcalf and Peterson lined up opposite one another a lot on Sunday. Yeah, me too. And, you know, again, Metcalf is averaging 99 yards a game. Uh, the top two guys will be on, on the field together. DeAndre Hopkins is averaging 102 yards a game. They're, they're number one and two in the National Football League. So I got to assume that he's going to get targeted. And I'm sure Patrick Peterson's looking his chops because he did a really good job. But I, I just think Metcalf is a different player in year number two. Two games last season against the Seahawks, Metcalf had one catch for six yards. Now that first meeting was earlier in the year, a rookie and just kind of getting your feet wet, but it was the second matchup in which Metcalf was held to just that one catch and basically a non-factor that entire contest. Yeah, and there were really two different games. Obviously, we got them early last year, and that's when Kyler Murray threw that pick six to Clowney. The Cardinals were down 17-3 early in that game, and then when they go when they went to Seattle, they ran the ball 40 times, and that's when Kenyon Drake had that um, that great game and that huge run, and they kind of set the tone there when they went to Seattle last year. It is a Thursday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. A reminder, Bird Gang, make sure you update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. Going to dive deep into comments from Hassan Reddick, Patrick Peterson, and Vance Joseph concerning the defense and just how well this defense is playing overall. But there was some interesting comments made by Larry Fitzgerald. It's not a hashtag Fitz Friday, but he does address the media on Thursdays. And we know the Bird Gang has an affinity for number 11. You do as well, MJ, and I want to see Larry Fitzgerald do well. The team is doing well. Fitz, however, is not. He's averaging a career low 24.2 receiving yards per game. Now, if that continues, that would certainly be a career low. 2018, he had less than 46 yards per game, and that was an offense everyone had a bad 
stretch that season. But Fitz was asked specifically how he felt without being asked about his targets, but just about those numbers. And I thought he had a fantastic response, MJ. I would agree. It's been a great year. Fantastic. And then explained why. Quote, my kids are healthy. I'm healthy. We're winning. I have a job, something that 35 million Americans can't say right now. So I'm privileged and honored to be able to still have something that I can do. And when my number is called, I'll answer the bell like I always have. End quote. Would not expect any other answer from Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, I mean, he's having fun. We know he, he, he was... You know, Wednesdays, just like, you know, um, you know, Corey Peters kind of get a day off, the vet day off, so to speak. Um, but Larry loves the process. He loves being in the locker room. I mean, he's having fun. I mean, it's not, it's not like he, you know, he wakes up every morning and he's got to pull himself out of bed to go to work. No, he, he looks forward to going to work. And Craig, one catch. It's all we need this weekend. One catch from Fitz. And I know I've been banging this drum for the last four weeks, I think. One catch, and he gets the, he'll be the second player ever with 1,400 receptions. Now, obviously, he's not going to catch Jerry Rice, but I know Larry wanted that to happen on Monday Night Football. And unfortunately, Kyler um, wasn't able to make that throw. But again, uh, the main thing is they're winning, and I think Larry enjoys winning. And he would trade all these stats and to get a chance to go back to the postseason. I know that for a fact. Well, maybe not Monday night football, but now on Sunday night yeah. football. For That's Fitz, true. I mean, who, yeah, you're right. Who, by the way, has more catches and more receiving yards against the Seahawks than any other player in NFL history. Of course, you play the Seahawks twice a season, so the numbers get inflated, but Fitz certainly enjoys playing against Seattle. I think every Cardinal player loves playing that team from the Pacific Northwest. Between Larry's uh, catches against the Rams, Seahawks, and and um, Niners, I mean, some guys can play in the league for six years and they would never put up those numbers. That's true. That's a career. What Fitz has done here, I'll, there you go, Bird Gang, 32 games or 31 games against Seattle. This will be his 32nd. 179 catches for 2,117 yards. Yeah, that's that's a career for some players. That's three, four seasons for players yes. that are on the field for about you know ten years at a time or whatever. So yeah, yeah. that's that's a that's <laughs> that puts it in perspective on what Fitz has done against Seattle. Yeah, and then you, when we when we play the Rams, we play the Niners. We'll bring up those same numbers because I mean, just just based on the division, he's he's made a killing there. Now he doesn't have to be targeted 10 times or have 10 catches in a contest. I think once upon a time he was that receiver. And I think this year might be the first time, and correct me if I'm wrong, MJ, you've got a better memory when it comes to the Cardinals than I do. But this might be the first time that Larry Fitzgerald is not automatically the number one wide receiver. Yes, Yes. he was paired up with Anquan Bolden. Yes, Michael Floyd was here. But even with those two players – Fitz was always the guy. He's no longer the guy. Yes, the face of the franchise, so to speak. But when it comes to the offense, he's number two. And hey, I hate to say that, but that's just the reality. And it wouldn't be that if it wasn't for DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, you can make the case he's number three after Kenyon Drake. 
just sure. based on Kenyon Drake, once he gets 20 touches or 20 carries, I mean, it, the numbers reflect it. And, and again, I like the fact that, you know, he's coming off a couple of good games. And I asked Larry today, um, when you're able to run the football like the Cardinals are and it's a passing league, uh, I mean, it, it, you can see the difference. I mean, they're winning at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, every year if you want to go back to, you know, maybe not his first year but because of Anquan, but every year he's led the team in targets, every year. And, and that's not because- the case this year. And just because he was the third overall pick that first season, there might have been, yeah. hey, you know what, you're number one, you're our guy, even though Bolden was coming off an incredible rookie season himself the year prior. But, yeah. It's, right. But I, every it year be, he's always loved the team, and, and, and that's not going to be the case. He may become second or third as at the wide receiver position, Hopkins, and then the way Christian Kirk's coming on, uh, I, I assume he'll have more than in Isabella um, but I think Christian Kirk now, you can make the case, and you were saying a couple of years ago, that's one and one A, but clearly Hop's one number one, and now Kirk's two, and Larry's probably three. And then he's throwing Kenyon Drake. And as long as this team keeps winning and is yep. competitive and is playing meaningful football in November or December, well, one, you're never going to hear him complain publicly. But even privately, I think, you know, everyone wants their ego stroked now and then. And maybe he is privately upset, but the most important thing for Fitz, and he says this all the time, and I believe him, I don't think it's just lip service, he wants to win. Bottom line, did we win the game? Yes. Okay, then nothing else matters. We've talked about it at length. I mean, there's nothing more he can accomplish. He's he, Again, one more catch gets him at 1,400. Only two players have done that in NFL history. Um he wants to get back to the postseason. That's where he cut his teeth. That's what he did in that four games um, in that Super Bowl run. It's going to be ever hard to duplicate because a lot of teams only play three games in the postseason. You know, the Cardinals played four. Um, and so there's nothing else on his resume that besides getting back to the postseason and trying to win some playoff games. Fitz is certainly all about the team when it comes to wins and losses as opposed to his own numbers here each and every Sunday. All right, let's flip it to the defense. And Hassan Reddick, we've talked about it a lot here on Cardinals Cover 2. It's been a hot-button issue with respect to now Reddick in his fourth year, did not have his fifth-year option picked up, but now finding a role and being more comfortable in his role. But we're hearing from Reddick now as well as he was made available to the media earlier today. Here's someone, MJ, that leads the team with four sacks and is certainly enjoying a more comfortable spot on the field, and that is outside linebacker. And he's making the most of his opportunity. But what I really like is as much as we're talking about it, he's not thinking about it because he was asked about his success on Monday Night Football, the two sacks, and then leading the team in sacks overall. Quote, Success is what you make it, right? I just look at it as I made a couple of plays. What am I going to do next week now? Last week is over. This is a weekend and week out business, and it's always what have you done for me lately, end quote. Right attitude. I mean, because you're only as good as your next game. And, you know, I asked him about his relationship with Vance, and I know they're neighbors and all that other stuff. But, uh, you know, I think it was really important for the Cardinals to retain uh, Vance Joseph, uh, obviously, you know, he's going to come under the microscope, but everything's been really good right now. 
Um, but Hassan, right, again, the two C's, comfortable and confident. Now he's just playing football. And it's unfortunate that he had to go through that, but I think it made him stronger. Um, and he really talks very highly of, of Jordan Hicks and, and Vontre Campbell of how difficult that position is to play. You got to get guys lined up. You got to know personnel groupings. It, it's, it's a, a long laundry list. And now he's just playing free. And, you know, I, I got to think he's going to be on the radar next year and whether he wants to stay here. But sometimes the grass isn't greener on the other side. I guess we'll worry about that in the offseason. On his playing inside linebacker, Vance Joseph said, yeah, Reddick was, quote, productive, but he also made a lot of mistakes, though he, quote, never complained, never blamed anyone, unquote. And then the switch was finally made to move Reddick to outside linebacker in week 13, week 14, and it's been a night and day difference. Now you can argue why wasn't this done earlier. Look, you draft someone and you have a plan, and then plans change. There was a reason that he was moved and then moved again, but now they have a set plan. They've got personnel to where you can just say, Reddick, this is your job. This is your role. Go attack the quarterback. Set the edge. And we've seen him do that now consistently, not just for six games this season, but according to Vance Joseph, going all the way back to the end of last season. Yeah, and, you know, you look at it when they went out and signed Kennard, and obviously you bring Chandler Jones, who's on the contract. I mean, he was going to be your first guy off the bench. Now he's starting, and his snap count's going to go up. So he's got an opportunity to make more plays, and he's not going to be asked to cover tight ends down the field. Um, there will be many times where he's going to have to drop um, at least in a flat on a screen pass or something like that. But the fact is that out of necessity, he's getting uh, ample playing time now because of injuries to, to – to one of their best players in Chandler Jones. So I just like the fact that uh, they believe in him and listen to Patrick Peterson saying, hey, uh, we need him, you know, kind of like he's going to help us. And it's not like he's only playing 12, 15 snaps a game. He's going to – his snap count's going to go up. Now we'll see how it affects him over course of period of time because he's not used to playing that much. But I just like the fact that he's playing free and he's much more confident than he's ever been. He used the phrase, think free football, which is what you've talked a lot about because you want players to just react, not to think on the football field. And finally, yeah, it's year four, but finally Hassan Reddick is just going out there and reacting to what he sees or maybe better than that, going one step further and anticipating because of the comfortability he feels, and then watching film, he knows where the play is going to go before the ball is snapped. You know, I don't know if it was Vince Lombardi. You always see these quotes over a period of time. Maybe it was Bill Walsh, but he says, when when you think you hurt the team, because you're thinking too much, you got to go out there and play. But you're, if you're not comfortable, like, like last year, Byron Murphy, he wasn't comfortable, you know. Deontay Thompson wasn't comfortable, but when you get comfortable, you can play a lot faster. And that's, you see the, you see the jump from year one to two. Look at Kyler Murray now. He looks more comfortable. Last year, he's kind of running for his life. Um, so that, that's anything in life. I mean, we're more, we're comfortable on this show. We have, obviously, we, we cover a lot of different um, aspects, um, you know, how this team is playing, but when you're more comfortable, you can play a lot more free. And when you're comfortable, you're confident, and you feel like, you know what, I can make plays. And I think we're seeing that from Hassan Reddick. 
Patrick Peterson on Hassan Reddick, who he said, talking about Peterson, has taken, quote, the thinking out of the game. You want to be able to line up and have something be second nature to you, end quote. And that's where Reddick, that's where Byron Murphy, that's where a lot of these second-year players, Reddick in year four, but all those players that a year ago were seeing a lot of time and especially now that it's the same defensive scheme, it's the same offensive scheme. And I think that gets lost in the shuffle to where fans say, if it's not working, make a change. Sometimes you have to roll with the punches. You have to deal with the ups and downs, the roller coaster aspect to get to the other side. And I think right now, I don't want to say we're all the way on the end of the tunnel, so to speak, but there is a light that I think is starting to get brighter that this team on offense and defense, and mainly on defense, is starting to break through. You know, one thing that I was uh, harping on during training camp was stability. You could see that when the Cardinals' offense was on the field, they were there besides Hopkins because he was learning a new offense. But again, pretty much they, that, that was the only addition besides some depth guys and some rotation guys on the offensive line. Um, but for the most part... Um, I thought stability in the front office, coaching staff, you know, bringing Vance back. Um, you know, obviously it wasn't ideal last year, but he didn't have the personnel to play it. You lose Patrick Peterson for six games, you all for, for the entire season. Um, you know, got guys, guys playing out of position, miscommunication. So um, I, I just think there's a lot of stability on the coaching staff. We know how much Coogs and Sexton and Hyden make. Well, we know David rising up and coming. Jerry Sullivan, I'm watching practice today, and Trent Scherfel's running a route as I'm walking out of there, and he's showing him you got to get more depth. Uh, they have a really good coaching staff, and I don't know if they get enough credit for that because obviously you look at the head coach and the coordinators, but um, I, I like where they're at, stability. And I think they're really, on paper, I mean, this, this is really a three-year uh, plan because of Kyler Murray being on that rookie contract. I mean, they're going to have some. They're going to have to make some choices in the off season, but for the most part, I mean, the Cardinals right now. It wouldn't surprise me. Last year, you know, they felt like eh, we're not one player away. But it wouldn't surprise me around the trade deadline if they add a player this year, considering they're like nine million under the cap according to over the cap. So I'm curious to see how these next two weeks are going to play out. And, of course, the big test coming up this week with another high-powered offense that you're going up against, at least when we talk about these Cardinals' defense. And that back end, the secondary, is another area that I think, and you've been on this as well, that has really kind of come into its own. One, it's getting healthier, and then you're having guys kind of pick things up, especially Drake Kirkpatrick. If he can play like he played on Monday night, and it was a slow build for him. Remember, a late addition in the middle of training camp. But now all of a sudden you've got Patrick Peterson, Drake Kirkpatrick, and Byron Murphy as your three corners. And then Buda Baker. And then is it Deontay Thompson? Is it Jalen Thompson? Is it Chris Banjo? You've got options in the secondary. And especially in this pass-happy league, you need a strong secondary to be successful. Yeah, I think they're all playing their natural positions. They were not, that wasn't the case last year. You know, obviously Patrick missing time and, you know, he played with the adrenaline in New York, but then it took him a few weeks to find his, um, his legs. And then in the month of December, they simplified things. There wasn't so much miscommunication. Murphy's a slot guy. Kirkpatrick, I like his personality. Uh, when he was mic'd up, 
Um, he's got a little swag when I watch him at practice or in the open portion. And then you got Buda Baker and Jalen and Deontay. I think the secondary is settling down because they're playing all playing their natural positions. They're not, they're not out of position when they step on the field. And the biggest improvement might be from Deontay Thompson, who maybe wasn't quite ready last season. And that showed on the field as Jalen Thompson overtook him as far as that position. But now, because it was almost out of necessity and then a full off season, although it was virtual, but year two, you're seeing a much different Deontay Thompson, especially in the physicality department. He is a sure tackler. And I don't think we could say that last year. No. And, and I was, I'm always intrigued when you go after Alabama players because they play a pro style defense. And he sounds like Nick Saban, you know, was on him a lot. And then the fact that you get Jalen Thompson in, in the supplemental draft in the fifth round, he would have been a second round pick. Uh, in, in the following year's draft. So uh, I, I really like the secondary. Now they're going to have to make a decision on Peterson. Uh, Kirkpatrick, I would bring him back uh, as long as he could stay healthy and get him a full offseason and training camp and all everything else. And But I, I thought going into the season, um, you know, the, I thought the secondary was their strength until because, just because you had three or four or five new starters on, in that front seven rotation, guys. But um, when you can cover on the back end and you get pressure up front, it makes the defense a whole lot better. And I think that's what Vance was telling us today. Quoting Vance Joseph, when your secondary is playing good, it's easy to call a game, end quote. You look back at what happened on Monday night, because the secondary was so sure he could, talking about Vance Joseph, mix things up in that front seven bring some different looks as far as moving players around. Reggie Walker, Dennis Gardeck, Devon Kennard playing maybe a little inside on that defensive line, getting into a three-point stance. You're able to do that because you have confidence in the guys behind you to do their job. Now it gets a little bit harder this week because you have a quarterback who can stand there in the pocket, make guys miss, scramble, one way or another, and all of a sudden now you're asking your secondary to cover for another one, two, two and a half seconds. But if you have a pass rush that can contain a Russell Wilson, now all of a sudden, I'll use your phrase in MJ, complimentary football. If your pass rush is good, then your secondary is good. If your secondary is good, then maybe the pass rush is good as well. They all work on a string. Yeah, and and I think I feel like, and it's hard to build this case because you don't have Chandler Jones, but I think the front seven's coming together too. I, I like the rotation on the D line. I like how they're rotating. You know, Gardick and and, and Reddick and Kennard. Um, we'll see who who takes that fourth outside linebacker spot. And you know, Vance did say that he thinks uh, Isaiah Simmons will get more time this week. I think he played 21 snaps last week. He said, "Now we'll have to wait and see." And you were the first guy to point out during the game that he was playing a little safety. Now I like to see him rush the passer, but uh, they obviously have more film and practice and how he's doing. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, I just think this front seven without Chandler, these guys. It's more of a team. You're not just relying on one player, and I think Buddha pointed that out earlier in the week. Yeah, this team misses Chandler Jones. There's no question about no, no, it. You no. cannot 
make a case that says, oh, this team is playing better because Chandler Jones is not on the field. That's not what we're getting at. More opportunities. Yeah. Everyone else is stepping up their game or being asked to do a little bit more, play maybe a secondary role in order to make up for the loss of number 55 on the football field. And right now it seems, with one game, it certainly seems like it's working. Yeah. And, again, I think they're only going to get better. I really do. And if if you think about, you know, making Russell Wilson one-dimensional, you would think, you know, shut that run game down. But, you know, he's if, if he's throwing the ball 30 to 40 times, that tells me, you know, this guy's had four or five touchdowns in one game. And he if, if he gets, like, four touchdowns this week, he would have, like, he'd be in the same conversation as Peyton Manning and Dan Marino where he would have 246 touchdown passes in 133 career games. So again, if they're if they're throwing the ball 40 times, you got to figure he's going to get a couple touchdowns at least. Well, his 19 touchdowns talking about Russell Wilson leads the NFL. He's completing almost 73% wow. of his passes and it's a reason why Vance Joseph said about Wilson, quote, he is going to be a problem. He's been a problem for a long time, but it just seems like this season in particular, and maybe it's the Seahawks, maybe it's Pete Carroll, the let Russ cook theme or phrasing, if you will, out of Seattle. It's certainly working because he is the engine and basically the entire vehicle when it comes to the success of the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see the graphic of how much – you know, he has a hand in that offense because, you know, obviously the quarterback touches the ball. But when you start looking at, you know, the 73 percent and the fact that he's throwing four and five touchdowns in a couple of games, that's pretty remarkable. And the fact is he's never had an MVP vote. And right now you got to say he's the MVP um, and they're coming off a bye week and they should be well rested. But you pointed out they have a lot of guys on the uh, injury report. So. We'll have to wait and see, but I'm looking forward to the matchup. Um, just from a standpoint of this is probably the, the toughest team they faced, uh, probably the best quarterback they faced, um, and we're going to find out more about the Arizona Cardinals, where they stand when it comes to the NFC teams. The number one scoring offense, number one in yards per play, number two in passing yards per play, number one in the red zone. They are 16 of 18 scoring touchdowns inside the 20-yard line. Now, the Cardinals are number two in that category, but bottom line is, you said it, a shootout. We all anticipated it on Monday Night Football. Perhaps we get it now on Sunday night football. Yeah, exactly. And and last week the Cardinals held up to their end of the bargain, unfortunately. And when you uh, play the Cowboys and they turn it over four times, it, they weren't going to get the same opportunities as the Cardinals had. So, but this thing, you know, this thing could come down to the fourth quarter. I hope it doesn't. But I just realistically, that's who they are. That this team, and and again, they, they Pete Pete's really you know. Pete Carroll, all that energy he has at, at that age, he talks about first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. But that fourth quarter, it seems like they really push the envelope when it comes to them pushing the ball down the field. Only their week one game at Atlanta was decided by more 
than eight points by more than one possession. Otherwise, the Patriots, that was a five-point win. The Cowboys, a seven-point win. At the Dolphins, they won by eight. The Vikings, they won by one. But that first week, a 13-point victory, that is the largest margin of victory that the Seahawks have had this season. Wow. I see. I, and you go back to that um, Vikings game, you know, if they kick a field goal, maybe we're having a different conversation. Maybe they're not unbeaten, but the fact is they are unbeaten, and they're one of the best teams in the NFL right now. Bird Gang, subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go, like Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Rage, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. MJ, congratulations. Why? I didn't hear anything during today's show. The cell oh, phone, you yeah, learned yeah, your yeah, lesson. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was funny. A couple of uh, our listeners were like, is his phone on silent? It's on silent today. See, we learn. We get better here on Cardinals Cover yeah. 2. Huge mistake. Imagine if uh, we were in a, in a meeting and went off like that. I would get fined. You live and you learn, Craig. Exactly. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.